Hi everyone, we're back. George and Charlie, off the bridle, underway for a fifth series. Glad to have you listening as we get ready for the flat season in the company of a couple of great guests. As always, it's racehorse trainers George Scott and Charlie Fellows joining myself, Tony Rushmer, for our podcast that's partnered by Fitzdares Bookmakers. We've been a bit in and out in our running the last couple of seasons. Some bold shows followed by some, well, no shows. But a few weeks back, we all got together and inked in a recording date for each of the next nine months. And hey, we've managed to stick to the first one. And a top first episode we have in front of us. Rising star of the saddle, Dan Muscat, is in the room. And we'll be linking up with Ed Christford, who's in Dubai. But let's get started with Scott and Fellows. Welcome back, George. Welcome back, Charlie. Good to see you both. Lovely to see everyone. It's quite exciting, this, isn't it? I feel like it's a fresh beginning. Fresh beginning. Well, I I feel like last year everyone lost enthusiasm, apart from me. But it was my breakthrough year again, and then we weren't allowed to record for most of it. I don't think we lost enthusiasm. It was just so much going on. It just wasn't... Hang on. We weren't organised enough. So Charlie and I lost enthusiasm. We were the ones that were sat there with Haggis while you were off swanning in France. Isn't that right? Exactly. Uh, He's got such a short memory. Such a short memory. That that, that France thing was actually quite ironic. So I had some runners in at Foss Lass and and then I had had the racing league and I got really I got really caught out because I was in France on a sort of long weekend with some friends and um, I'd said in my sort of interview oh yeah no I'm in France knowing full well there was a sale on in Deauville or whoever was interviewing me said oh and George is from Deauville sourcing some new stock and then it came up it came up on the VT. George got niece. <laughs> I was like, bollocks. <laughs> yeah, no, last year was a, was a really good year for, for us. And um, yeah, it was overall, you know, the horses stayed very healthy and it, the policy was to keep them in a low grade, which we did for most of the season. And then, you know, we had a couple of sort of relative star performers who started to fly the flag a little bit. Can I interject and say that when we did our first episode of the first series, we struck a bet between the pair of you, uh, who would have the most winners for the year. And that year, the next year, and the year that followed, Charlie won, took the, took yeah, the honours. Yeah. Am I right in saying that you won that bet last year? We did. We didn't strike the bet, sadly, but I did I did end up in front of him on, on overall winners, didn't I? I'm glad that you qualified that on, on winners, because uh, on the trainer's table, I think I doubled your oh, prize money on. tally. You can't, you can't move the goalpost just to suit yourself. Any, that all is anyone looks nonsense. At, it, all anyone looks at is the trainer's table. That's all I care about. And I think you're on page five of the race. I don't post. think people really do look at the trainer's <laughs> table, especially as how far I am down. Well, I, well, I, well, I, <laughs> I do. I think they look at strike rates. Well, I do. And they look at winners. And all I cared about last year was that I got, I don't know, 600 and something no but i yeah but that wasn't the bet you've changed the goalposts i couldn't go and train a load of yaks to win naught to 50s around wolverhampton that's not fun you want to win at royal ascot i found it very fun and my numbers this year have suggested that that it was fun as well funnily enough we were having this argument and a similar argument in the gym with charlie's Charlie, we still go to the gym, by the way. It's good effort. Re- religiously. Yeah. I can't believe you're not coming today. Why aren't you coming today? I'm just going to go for a run today. I just can't oh, be bothered to drive well, back into town. Is it? Is, is it? that why? I don't know if it's shoulder you're day. Such, it, George is the most annoying person in the world because it's, we, we do shoulders one day, we do squats another day, we do back. 
Uh, deadlifts another day. Deadlifts we do, terrible. and then we do cardio, which George absolutely loves. And to be fair, he's quite good at cardio. He's not the best, but he's I quite good. I am the best. Chrisford's better than you. Chrisford at cardio. Chrisford is better than you. Chrisford, don't be. Chrisford's <laughs> better than you. I know you're talking nonsense. Anyway, now. George will deliberately miss the sessions that he doesn't like. Like he's not an all rounder. Like he <laughs> he pops in to do cardio. As soon as he finds out that it's something that he doesn't like, like he cried like hell the other day when we did. Um, deadlifts. Well, I had a bad back. I had to wear a belt when I do it, one of those big bad weightlifting back. belts. Quite impressive, though, um, chat. So, how many days a week is this? Apart from well, George's um, gymming? So I try and go three a, days a week. Yeah, a good week, three or four. I mean, I can't five. I'm just too knackered. How many of you are there then? It's Chrisford and you two. Is there anyone Chrisford, else in this game? Chrisford sporadic. is very sporadic. He has spent most of this winter in a different country. So. And then when he does come in, it takes him three sessions of whinging like hell to kind of catch up. Yeah. He's a complete nightmare. George Peckham, who is an absolute machine, has the attitude of a lion and is, is like and seriously good now. And a hell of a lot of weight yeah. and recent we've had a recent new addition for comedy value nick bell's come to the last couple of training sessions i don't know how long that will last he looks more and more like his dad every day actually yeah. it's kind of scary but anyway going back to my point sometimes we do come in hot we've got a whatsapp crew it can get pretty under, underhanded at times so by the time we see each other we're also scowling away anyway fellows was going through a particularly long run without having a winner and he, he was starting to hit back at me going, well, my run to form percentage on the Racing Post website's very high. Who gives a toss about run to form on the Racing Post as website? If you're well, not having winners, it doesn't matter. Running, if they're running well, it does matter. It doesn't. It does. Winners, winners, winners. It doesn't so keep unhappy. your owners. We've had about 10 uh, horses over the winter finish second. Three, Mr. 3% over here. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. He has been a bit unlucky, but I've reveled in it. Absolutely brutal. We've been going five minutes and they're already at each other's throats. Charlie, in all seriousness, how is the build-up to the flat season going? We're just a couple of three weeks away now. Everything building up nicely or it'll be the slow solid start at a Bedford house this year no I think I think we're okay I think um the last few years I've tried to have everything ready for the Lincoln meeting and then you get two weeks of absolutely nothing normally the ground at the Lincoln meeting is never that good and then you have two weeks of nothing and then things really start rolling from the Craven this year I've got everything targeted Craven meeting and onwards to get them going we're two we're a couple of weeks behind where we would normally be but on purpose but you've Atrium? run a lot of horses you, you've got a Lincoln entry do we assume that you're not going to head to Dunning? no 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 sorry he, do, he does He I will have a very small team that are going to Donny but they will have been running on the all weather over the winter so I, there won't be many having their first start bar Atrium who has been targeted at the Lincoln since he won at Donny last year. So what price is he for the Lincoln? Twelves. Oh, wow. No, a bit shorter than that now. Yeah, twelves. Um, but it's become more of like, you know, the old-fashioned thing of having all of your horses ready for the Lincoln. It's sort of, I think a lot of people have moved away from that, and it's a year-round thing. I mean, especially myself, you know, in the way that I look at it, with having a few low-grade horses as well, it's, it's all well and good getting them ready for the Lincoln and all those races, but they just become so competitive. You know, I'm trying to deliberately get a few on the board now before the racing gets gets stronger and up until last friday i was getting frustrated i was hitting the crossbar a lot but we nicked a couple of naught to sixties on the all weather so that helped <laughs> you said i've had quite a few wet runners on the all weather over the winter i deliberately kept a team for the all weather because last year i ran nothing and it crippled me yeah you want to try and get a few on the board you winter, know like financially really really hurt us and i turned a lot of horses out i probably had 
half my horses in. I didn't run very much and financially it was a nightmare. So deliberately I kept quite a few more in this year. I had a little team of all weather horses to keep us ticking over. And although we haven't had the winners, they've hit the crossbar, we've managed to get the prize money in and keep everything going. Which is your favourite of the all weather tracks? I see ever more our new market trainers heading all the way up the A1 to Newcastle, which looks a long way. Um, with passions. Newcastle hates me. But it's got a lovely long straight there, hasn't it? I just can't get one to win there. So so which of the, which of the all weather surfaces or tracks do you ideally target? I love Newcastle, generally because the best horse tends to win there. Mm. It is a funny track. There can be a bias up the stands rail, but the best horse tends to win. Whereas at those tracks like Wolverhampton or Lingers... Draw? Draw can... It's nine times, you know, you're drawn in the car park, you're up against it. It doesn't mean you're not going to win, but you suddenly, you are double the price you would have yeah. been had you had an in, inside draw. Whereas at Newcastle, it doesn't matter. Mm. I really like Southall. I think Southall's, Southall's great. Kempton's a nice track. Chelmsford surface. It'd be interesting to see what Dan says. Surface. Well, we're not that interested in not... talking to Dan about the surface at Chelmsford. We haven't got him here to do that. Okay, fine. Well, Suffice so to say, I, I, Newcastle. I, 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 I tell you what, I, I used to have a really bad record on the all-weather and actually in the last sort of 18 months, I'm not, not crying from the rooftop, but we've had a lot of winners on the all-weather, especially three-year-old handicaps and just anywhere other than Newcastle, I don't mind. Why not Newcastle? We've just I just think Charlie, the best horse, tends I don't to win. Know. I, I've had a lot of seconds. I probably had 10 seconds. So, you know, maybe it just hasn't gone my way. But my form guy and I sort of had a little think about why we weren't winning there. And it's a quite a specialist track, Newcastle. And a lot of northern horses win there. And a lot of northern horses run there every week. And I think sometimes they just go down the road. They're comfortable there. And they're harder to beat. Uh, Charlie... The new market trainers do very well in novice races up there and the better races, but the low-grade races are often won by local horses. And I think they just kind of, it's like playing at home. I think they're just, they're hard to win those races. It's a very tricky track to ride. I mean, my form guy, Ed Frost, absolutely loathes it. Hates the track. I mean, every time I enter on there, it's like, what are you doing? And he literally, they cannot work it out. They cannot work out that out from a punting angle. Uh, and I think it is a very, very, very difficult track to ride, especially that straight course. The, the round one's different. want to ask, lastly, about our two special guests we've got. They're people you know well. George, obviously, Dan rides for you plenty, and you're good pals with Ed, as you are, Charlie. Um, tell us a little bit about um, Dan and, and why we're having him here today and, and, and what's impressed you about him riding for you over this last year or so. Yeah, I think everyone in Newmarket's impressed with Dan. You know what he's he's managed to carve a niche for himself whereby he's very accessible to lots of trainers and you know his his work ethic is probably the most significant thing for me. He has a book and he's done a speed map for everything and and you know he's just a very very solid rider and his statistics are excellent. So no, I think he's just nailed it on the head. I think he, A, he's a very good rider, good set of hands, but B, he, you know that he's not been out on the razzle the night before. He's done his homework. I think he's just a very impressive jockey. and he He's is a professional. Up, upwardly mobile. And he, he's what every jockey should be like. Mr. Chrisford, you've both yeah, been he's, around. He's the opposite. 
<laughs> Chris, Ed, Ed and I have been obviously best friends for 15 years and actually Ed's kind of a, a new a new friend for Charlie in the sense that you've only really got to know him since properly got to know him since he's joined since we've all done this gym thing haven't you and it's been quite a bromance the funny thing is I, I actually I, I went on holiday with Ed when he was he must have been six seven years old and I was not very much older and we went and stayed with them in Dubai at his parents' house. So I have known him for a very long time. But as George says, we've only become sort of really good friends in the last few years. As but he's an extraordinary character, Ed. You know, he's one of those people that everyone loves. He's a great, great people person and very, very funny guy and always manages to work a situation so, so it works absolutely perfectly for him so the, the least amount of work he can do but the maximum effort so you know if he comes into the gym and he's not really feeling it he'll manage to just kind of twist the, the situation and so it works for him and you know they they've got they've got a great thing going there at the Christopher's racing Simon obviously probably one of the most respected figures in the whole of racing world racing decided to go and train and and they've done a brilliant job and you know, they, I heard Matt Chapman describe them as a boutique stable. I think, um, you know, that was probably slightly wide of the mark because of the amount of horses they have. But what they have is they've got some of the best stock in, that money can buy and they're coming up with the goods. So this World Cup is a huge moment for them. And I'm talking about thinking about classics and guineas in relative to, to English trainers. Simon Crisford founded the World Cup under Sheikh Mohammed's vision. And I bet they could never imagine, ever imagine coming back to this race with the favourite. It is a massive moment for them. And that's why I don't know that horse is called Algiers. Yes, exactly. So Ed, impressively. Yeah, we'll have Ed on. We'll talk to him about Algiers, who's been a revelation since hitting the track at Maidan and is a worthy favourite. Well, the turf season is not far away. Before that, we have Dubai World Cup night on Saturday, March the 25th. And right up there vying for favouritism for the big race is Algiers, a six-length Group 2 winner at Maidan last month. The six-year-old is trained by Simon and Ed Chrisford, and the latter joins us now from Dubai. Eddie? Eddie, can you hear us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. We're recording, Eddie. Have you managed to find a nice, quiet spot outside Zuma? Yeah, well, no, I'm just on the way to Evening Stables. Oh, of course you are, that old chestnut. We want to get you on because it's an exciting time for you and the Crisford Empire. You've got the favourite for the World Cup, which I know is an enormously exciting. You know, there's a huge, huge history to the race with, with your father being, you know, heavily involved in setting up the carnival. And how does it feel to be lining up with the favourite? It's one of those sort of things, like it's a, a dream come true, really. I mean, to have a horse good enough to compete on these dirt races, it's, you know, a lot of English trainers, it's very hard to find a horse that can run on dirt. Um, and this horse is a Shamadel out of a Platini mare, who's sort of German mare. But he just You've acts really done on the dirt. Research. You've really done your research, haven't you? <laughs> well, I train the horse, but I hope I know what his, who his parents are, George. <laughs> I was about to say this conversation was feeling very strange with us all being very serious when normally we're all slagging each other off the whole time on WhatsApp or on well, the gym. Just wait for the end of the, you know, the, 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 the speech, then I, I was going to start laying into you, Charlie. Okay, carry on then. Anyway, it's very, very special. 
anyway, so yeah, he's he's he he, he sort of acts on this dirt, and as I said not many European horses do. And he was in Dubai last year and won the Jebel Ali Mile. Um, and then we brought him back to England. He had the summer off. He had a couple of races in England. He won at York over a mile and a quarter. And then we brought him back out here. And he's just turned into a different horse. He, he, well, he was gelded in August. And that, I think, has made the difference. But he obviously won the Maximum Challenge round one in great style, um, beating all the best local milers. and then. We stepped him up to 1900, and he pulverized the field there. So, very exciting, and we just got to get the horse there now. Absolutely. And what's the plan? When does he breathe? When's his next breeze? He breathes on Saturday morning um, with James. James uh, uh, came and sat on him. Just an easy upside bit on the um, on the main track, and then he's going to come back at the end of the week. And then he's got a, hopefully a, a nice work. Where James will come sit on him again sort of before the World Cup at some point. But um, he's in good order. And, you know, the weather is hotting up here now. It's sort of 30 plus degrees as I'm on my way to evening stable. So we're training him early in the morning. And it's, uh, no, we're just got to get him there. And um, he's run two sort of similar races. I wouldn't say they're trial races, but where would you like him to be drawn? How would you like the race to sort of pan out for him on World Cup night? Well, funny enough, I was talking to James about this just the other day. And, I don't think you want to be drawn really low because if you do sort of miss the break, they can come round you and you, you get all that kickback in your face. This year, he's had the widest of wide draws. I think he's been like 11 of 12 and 13 of 14. So he's had some terrible draws. I hope it's sort of four to eight would be perfect, I'd say. But, you know, I'd rather probably slightly on the outside than the inside. Will Country Grammar be the horse to beat? He ran a nice trial in the Saudi um, in the Saudi Cup, and Frankie's coming off a particularly successful stint there in LA. I mean, obviously, in the book, the bookmakers' eyes, he's sort of a joint favourite. Is he very much the horse to beat? Yeah, I'm sure he'll go off favourite on the day. You know, he won the race last year. He acted at Maidan. He's a proper mile and a quarter horse. Thought you know the nine furlongs in the Saudi Cup is probably just a furlong too short. He was only just getting going and. I'm sure he would have won it if it was a mile and a quarter, eh? Um, it, yeah, in my eyes, he's the horse to be. And as you say, Bob Baffert, you know, he's won World Cups many times before and Frankie Zoria as well. So it's, uh, it's he's going to be hard to beat. But the Japanese as well, very strong team coming. I think the first seven bar one in the Saudi Cup are coming for the World Cup. That's not confirmed yet, but that's what I've heard. Um, so it's going to be a very tough race. But, you know, we've got, our horse has got a home experience and we haven't travelled him and say it'll be seven weeks from round two of the Matsum Challenge to the World Cup, to a nice little break and we're going fresh. Um, it's been a great season, Ed. A great year. We move into a new year now and you've got the favourite for the Lincoln as well. Just a quick word on him. Yeah, well, he's, um, a while he's been an imp- improving horse last year. He's a handicapped and He's, he's got the right profile for a Lincoln. He will need it to be soft ground, though. He's half the Breton Rock, so he, he loves soft ground. He will need a bit of cut in the ground. But he's in good form, and we've got another horse in there called Croupier, who Ed Ware owns, and Croupier also is the sort of horse with the right profile for the Lincoln. So, no, it's exciting times ahead.
I thought it was very, very nice of your brother-in-law to take out their third favourite to allow you to have a better chance of winning the race. Did you thank him? It was lovely. I, I have, I have thanked him, and no, I saw that yesterday. And so, no, that's but it, you know, with Lincoln, it's always a tough place to win, isn't it? So, for the listeners, we're talking about Harry Charlton, who is married to Ed's sister, and the Oki Kobe was declared a non-runner yesterday. Who was third favourite? Two two great racing families binded together by marriage. Yeah, yeah, it was a two dynasties coming together. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> firmly supporting you in the Lincoln because Charlie's got a, a fancied runner in that as well. So, if any, you know, it'll be it'll be. Well, George, we we come up against each other today. Old base note and Pridwin. I know, I know. I was going to touch on this, but I'm sadly it will have. It will have run by the time this the, the podcast comes out. I was just going to ask you if you're going to make the running. Doesn't it much pace on? Just change it up with your horse. No, I don't think you'll make the running. No, I, think I don't think you'll make the running. Fair enough. Ed, hi, it's Tony here. I've got I've got one very important question. It's got nothing to do with horses. It's to do with these two in the gym. You obviously have a good perspective on both fellows and scott and their gym activities uh they've been boasting endlessly about how well their cardio's going and how their deadlifting's going etc can you give us the truth about both scott and fellows when it comes to the gym please well there's a proper hierarchy in there and george scott's at the bottom for sure he gives a lot of chat but he really thinks he's he's everything but he's not loving this fellows just Fellows just complains his way through it. Fellows goes to the gym and ruins it all with a big pizza and a half a jug of mayo at the end of it. Apparently, George Packham's the impressive performer, maybe. Is this true? He's been the improver throughout the season, for sure. <laughs> this is He's what been we like one of those know. real, real backward two-year-olds that comes in and strength and nicely throughout the year. Scotty is a complete control freak, um, though, isn't he? Yeah, no, Scott's a control freak. Well, it's my thing, isn't it? I'm captain and sort of what I say goes. You're not even coming today. Free afternoon and he's not coming. I'm going for a run. I sadly got a little injury deadlifting, 130 kg. So <laughs> You look like Mr. Trunchbull when I, you pick I, that up. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm out of action for now. But when I'm back from Dubai, I'm going to be hitting the gym hard. I'm, I'm actually this evening getting some bikes out. We're going on a proper cycle ride around Dubai just to get back into it so. sounds like fun mate listen thanks for um, taking some um, time I know you've got a very busy schedule at the moment yeah oh, I really do and it's um, you know it's, it's building to- towards the season and you know it's, it's all part of it George as you quite well know <laughs> <laughs> mate but, you know, honestly it's going to be a, it's going to be one of, I, know, I know how it, on, a, on a serious note I know how important this is to you and to, to, to your dad and it's a really massive moment and I'm hoping to be out there. So, um, mate, thanks so much. Um, thanks again. All right. We'll see you uh, well, soon. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. Sitting down with us this morning is a jockey fresh off the back of riding a landmark 500th winner, a man who enjoyed a real breakout year in 2022 with domestic group wins aboard Deauville Legend, followed by a first-ever Group 1 triumph, courtesy of Dubai Miles' victory at San Clue in October. On top of all that, our guest smashed the 100-winner mark for the first time, signing off with a tally of 127 for 2022, a year in which he also got married. Welcome, Dan Muscat. Dan, what a year last year. 
120 something 127 winners George will tell you he's got it written on his he's got it all there what I was really interested in when I went through your statistics was just you know this meteoric rise really you went from 28 you started on 28 winners and probably had a handful of years around that level and then 36 45 84 and up to 127 winners last year which is quite an extraordinary achievement and you know, you, you must have enjoyed it, especially. But what what do you think? What do you think the the difference has been over those few years? I couldn't really pinpoint on one thing really, but I've sort of been in Newmarket seven or eight years now, and slowly but surely worked my way into yards and built contacts and strengthened existing contracts off the back of success with a smaller smaller group of trainers. You then build contacts with owners and and sort of spread your wings a little bit, and and it's it's been it's been really positive. And does that come from you, the building the new contacts, or is that your agent, Paul Clark, that's out there for you? How does that sort of momentum build? Probably a combination. First of all, you've got to put yourself about, and then you've got to put yourself in the position to get the opportunities and then and then convert them. Well, you're a grafter as well. I mean, do you, do you ride out every single morning? Uh, five, six mornings a week. Yeah. Um, you're always available. I think that suited the young training brigade as well, who are your sort of main supporters, aren't they? I mean, obviously, you've got your fan shores and you'd like to put all the young trainers are queuing up. I mean, I know I'm number four, at least, in line. I have to go through the entries and I've got four trainers ahead of me. Kevin will be ahead Ferg, of you. Ferg. Ferg as well. James, yeah. Fanshawe, Kevin. I sort of sneak in around four, don't I? Surely, surely the trainer that provided with his group one winner gets above you as well. Well, I, yeah, I mean, we haven't had any dual loss, but I, I probably would stand down to that as well. No, but no, it's well managed. It's well managed and it's great to be in that position to, to have the support of so many good trainers on my side. And there's loads of racing, not just in the summer, but at the moment, there's still loads of racing through the winter on the weather. And Paul does a great job in, in sort of managing and keeping everyone in the loop. And, um, and it worked really well last year and, and hopefully it can continue like that. George just touched on it there, your first ever Group 1 winner for the Johnstons. What did that mean to you to get to that point? And did you ever wonder through all them, because you had a very bad fall one year, uh, which sidelined you, did you ever wonder if that would ever fall your way or did you just trust the process and that it would come? Probably doubted it a lot for, for quite a while. It's, it's difficult when you're, when you're going racing for one ride here, then one ride there and... Yeah, it's like anything, you do get a little bit despondent at times. And yeah, my parents have picked me up and dusted me off plenty of times. And but, but equally so, um, trainers and, and, and other, other support networks have, have been very good to keep pushing me forward. And um, it was great to repay them and it's a massive milestone to reach. One thing I have a lot of time for is you never, ever got tempted to go abroad for the winter and take the easy route. I think if you want to be a jockey here... The winter is crucial because the trainers really appreciate it. They appreciate how miserable. Yeah, those connections you build are just so important. I mean, I think just with the you know with the situation with racing and it all being hard work, you know, it's hugely respected that when someone puts the work in. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't it doesn't go amiss and. Every time I speak to you, and even if I ring you, I get I've, when I'm excited, I call you earlier and earlier when you're riding in the day. <laughs> but you've got this speed map, haven't you, which you do for all the rides, and how, how does that work? Yeah, um, th- that goes sort of hand in hand with what Charlie was saying about going abroad for, for the winters, which I, I did do when I was an apprentice, but the difference being that I could come back and still have my claim to just get myself re-established and get the momentum going, and I sort of used those winters when I was apprentice to save my claim on the all-weather at the same time, I'd go away and learn something and, and see different racing jurisdictions. Um, that was something I, the respect to the speed maps and, st- and being thorough with form was something that I, that I picked up in Australia um, when I was with Chris Waller for a couple of months. 
all of the jockeys there are very very thorough they don't all right they don't race as much as us day to day or don't they're not day in day out they're kind of three three days a week racing but they're very very thorough but there's a lot there's a lot of information available to them more for for the punter but it's everything speed figures and and pace maps and trials and all that sort of thing is they're they're very they're very hot on and i've brought some of that back and and yeah i found it worked very well for me to just be, be thorough and it sticks in my head and then if i'm caught on the hop or something it's in the back of my mind anyway and staying here through the through the winter as you have you do get to sit on one or two decent prospects for the turf i noticed only last month you sat on a very smart looking prospect for james ferguson at newcastle um horse called canberra legend is that right um charlie why are you shaking your head why are you shaking your head i he was the most unbelievably good looking yearling and i loved him and it was the year we were spending a little bit of money it was two years ago and i adored him but he was quite early on day two and there were a couple of see the stars later on in the day that we decided to leave him he was by australia he's by australia and wait for them and I watched him absolutely gag up at Newcastle the other day and he looked very smart. God, he was a good-looking yearling. Let's ask the man that rode him. He did look a nice time. Someone said, oh, please ask Dan about that horse when they knew you were coming on. So tell us a little bit about what... He's a smart prospect, isn't he? Yeah, um, he's always been a physically um, pleasing horse to look at and he was doing nice things sort of midway through the summer last year, which he was physically shouldn't have been able to do. And James took his time with him. He didn't really turn, turn the score on him until after into the new year and he's, he came to hand and, and won well first time and um, yeah hopefully he can keep progressing as the year goes on he certainly certainly ticks a lot of boxes at this stage what about Dubai Mile do you keep that you'll presumably you'll resume that partnership on the turf in the spring yeah hoping to go and sit on him at some stage of the next couple of weeks up in up in Midland not sure where his first intended target is just yet I'll leave that to to Mr Ashake and uh, Charlie Johnson and um, yeah no, he's an exciting exciting horse um, just quickly, obviously, we touched upon these young trainers. Tell us a little bit what it's like riding for James, Kevin, myself, instructions-wise. James, one of the most neurotic people, one of my best mates, but still one of the most neurotic people I've ever met in my life. How, what was the build-up like to riding that horse who had such a big reputation? Dan, honesty is the best policy here, so we, <laughs> it doesn't go any further than just these four people. <laughs> these five million listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like, the instructions and the build-up to these races? To be fair, like a lot of the a lot of people that I'm predominantly riding for at the moment, they know how I work and I know how they work. And through having good success over the last sort of eighteen eighteen months, two years, they kind of leave it leave it to me. Um, this might be where I'm going wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not not saying that they leave it to me entirely. Obviously, but like you said, most of the time I'm sitting on these horses in the mornings as well, and a lot of the times plans are discussed in the mornings when they're galloping and. We sort of have a rough idea of how things should go and I like to be given the confidence to ride a horse. So Ferguson doesn't call you up 10 times before a race or anything like that, changing his tactics every time? No, not all the time. <laughs> he had a horse run for Qatar here. I watched it. I, I watched him. I watched it with him, and oh my god, it got beat. It ran a, bl- a blinder first time out. Look, win next time, no problem. He couldn't get him off the sofa for ten minutes. Had head in hands. Oh my god! So it just got beaten and made him run a blinder. It was. Was it? It was odds on again, it was wasn't odds it? On, they yeah. get, like his first time out, they get quite right. They're nice horses, but. Yeah. Then they get better, right? Back properly. So, so Dan, give us a horse to follow, like in the short term on the all weather, and then maybe a longer term prospect. 
a horse that you've kind of, you, you know, that you're looking forward to riding in the next week or so? be difficult to pinpoint just one i'm looking forward to seeing where dover legend comes back after his trip to melbourne um he was very tough last year and got his rewards on track and hopefully he can sort of pick up where he left off on these shores and and rocket rodney of course yeah is he still in training i think he'll go under the radar do you know that rocket rocket rodney's in training he's gonna sit until royal ascot though Oh, okay. Straight there. Protect that mark. Yeah. Yeah. For the Holly route. Yeah. He was impressive at Sandown and 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 Goodwood was was a great run and obviously Royal Ascot, but he never clicked back in like that the rest of the year. But we. No, I mean he were like Yorkie ran well, but we felt like he was idling and just being a little bit lazy. So we went to France with some headgear on and from a wide draw, and he picked up a stress fracture that day. And uh, now he'll just go straight to straight to the Holyroot handicap because those three-year-old sprinters rated 100. There's no there's no options for them in the first mm. half of the season. I'd hate to go and run a massive trial and get 106 and then have nowhere to run because he's he's a he's a good slip off a king stand at the moment as a three-year-old gelding. So he'll go straight to Ascot and something to look forward to. Can I just ask, do you, with the Johnson situation, will you hope that Dubai Mile gives you more opportunities there? Obviously. You say you're going up to Midland. Can that be a relationship that may or may not flourish a little bit more as the months unfold? Yeah, for sure. Charlie's obviously got plenty of jockeys as well up there, but they've, uh, they've built up a good association with them last summer and, and um, seem seemed to work well. And hopefully this horse can, um, can take us some, to some, some nice nice places this year. And we, start, we started with George listing your fantastic sort of rise from however many winners it was that first year, 28 through to 127. What do you target this year? How do you trump that? I mean, you're up to 36 winners and it's only early March. Well, what's on your mind for aspirations and targets for this summer? I'd love to love to be competing in sort of the, the, the big races more than I was the past year. Obviously, I'd love to bag another Group 1. And the one that slipped by, by us last year was, was a Royal Ascot winner. Got beat, got, got beat, beat twice in two days. Um, head, It'd be head, lovely. Head the neck, so It'd, that would be big on the list. I'll see if I can find something for you, Dan. <laughs> Bad dream. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be lovely. Um, you know, I think you're very close to being considered for Group 1 spares. You know, that, that's the bracket, isn't it? That's, you know, there's only, there's only one, two horses in a Group 1 that, you know, that are spares. It'd be nice for you to jump on a few of those, wouldn't it? Can I ask you another question slightly off topic? As a jockey, obviously, headlines recently has been all about the stick. What are your feelings on the new rules and uh, the way they've been brought in? And do you think the rules are the right thing to do? What, as a jockey, like you could look at it from a completely different angle to us. What do you think? It's been it's been messy um, the way it's been rolled out and sort of dealt with. The flat riders are probably in a slightly better situation that we had a lot more time and less pressure to adapt. Than the jumps boys, I can understand why they've struggled. Obviously, going into a big festival like Cheltenham can't be easy. In terms of why they had to change it, I think something needed to be done. Whether what they've done is the right thing remains to be seen. Thank God they were willing to backtrack on the on the backhand situation. I think that would have been a a, a real nightmare and a shame to, for the for the sport across both codes. But the the numbers thing is feasible. The technicality with the above shoulder and the strides to respond, those penalties have, have also increased in harshness alongside going over for overuse. But that would be, probably be the, the, the sticky situations, the technicalities. No, I think, I think that's probably very fair. It'd be interesting to see how Cheltenham goes next week. Those of us that are up five in the morning will see you trudging around in a high-vis vest. You're quite keen on the fitness as well, aren't you, just to work on that side of things? Yeah, I, I enjoy it, to be fair. It's 
keeps you on the routine, keeps your head good. I found a sort of regime that fits the lifestyle and works on the scales as well. So it's uh, no, it's going, it's fine. Dan, thank you so much for coming. You're off to Wolverhampton tonight. Wish you the best of luck. Let's hopefully um, we can get you the leading rider on the all weather and yeah. have a have a profitable season ahead and maybe even ride for fellows if you get a chance. He rode for me last week. Oh, right, and I, How did it run? Uh, actually, it was disappointing. He's won, uh, Dan's won on it already. Very good. I, he, call, I, he called me out. I said, Dan, you do whatever you want. Not a single instruction. Very easy <laughs> trainer to ride for. <laughs> Dan, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> Best of luck for the season. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Appreciate it. Before we head off, we need to get a tip or two for what's coming in the weeks ahead. And also, uh, let's round up and update on what's happening with the podcast. But uh, yeah, let's start with the podcast. How are our podcast horses, Charlie? She ran nicely, didn't she, the filly? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, eventually. eventually after about nine thousand been... pounds worth of travel costs, which I had to pay for, she refused to race for four times. She didn't refuse to race four times, George. She 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 did go to the races four times and ran on the fourth attempt. It was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. She has always been quite tricky in the stalls. So the first time she ran, she went in good as gold. She was standing good as gold, and some horse next door to her kicked off, set her off. So they both got withdrawn. Wasn't her fault. Bitterly unlucky. Then she went to Kempton and somehow, I'd got no idea how this happened. She ended up in the stands at Kempton on the, in, the, in the crowd. They've, they've never seen it ever before in their life. Their horse has never got through there. As they put the, went to put the jockey on, something spooked her and she, she bolted off and they'd taken the lead rope off already. And she managed to get through a gateway where the people go from it being inside the parade ring to the to the um, stands. And she went up went up the stairs and went into the stands, so got withdrawn again. Then she had to go to Chelmsford again to go and do a stools test. So that was her third trip to the races without running, passed the stools test, and then eventually we got there on the fourth attempt, and she ran really well. She was third, perfect debut. And but she's she had quite a hard process, as explained just then. So we gave her a break afterwards, backed off her, and she's now just started cantering up Warren Hill, and she'll be ready end of April time to start again. Uh, but yeah, she, I think she's probably not a bad filly. She's she's I don't think she's a superstar, but she's definitely not useless. Win races, winning races, no doubt. George, the yeah, my horse is Col- my horse. I haven't had a runner since for the podcast since about 1992. But uh, <laughs> this horse has taken a bit of time to come together, Zeppelin. But he's galloping now, and he's going to start in the middle of the month. And uh, you know. He's had a few issues, so I haven't put the gun to his head at home. So we'll just let racing bring him forward, and we'll we'll, we'll make a plan as to as to how he runs first time. But is that a code word for we're going to get him handicapped? Is that well, he might get himself handicapped. <laughs> what about tips, chaps? Have you um, got a winner or two before we reconvene? Have you got anything we should follow? You're desperate for a winner, aren't you? You must have something in the pipeline. Last time we kind of seriously did a tip was at the well, was on that live podcast. Do you remember I said I've got a couple of Ulysses horses well handicapped? It's my tip. Follow them. Right. They won ten races between them, so I hope everyone was was. Which listening. ones were they? Um, Captain Kane won seven yeah. and another Odyssey won three. Yeah. So that was ten. And actually, yeah, we, we kind of missed the whole Captain Kane saga. He was the he was the winning most horse in the whole of England and Ireland last year, which was quite quite an achievement so by it, him. That he was the, he won more races 
uh, himself than any other horse in that that is actually a very even yeah. i will admit that that's quite a good achievement yeah no seven seven was that outright or did he share he shared it but he had a better win percentage than the other one what was the other horse um one of mick appleby's of course it was. i mean mick appleby probably had like second third fourth fifth yeah he's probably already had one that's won seven already this yeah. year and the captain's back for this year in some way at some yeah point? well he's back he's back he's not back in mind he's back in body he's run run poorly twice but i think he's just gonna have to work himself back into form I, I'd say a horse which I'm going to take over, a, he's going to take me over a cliff is a horse called Eight Mile, who I name one night after watching the film Eight Mile, because I own him, sadly. And he's definitely handicapped to win races. And I think once he wins a race, he could just go and win a couple. So my tip would be, would be Eight Mile. Uh, the dream in the Phillies race on Ch on Good Friday. I'll take Newcastle. your bets. I'll take your bets. Oh, <laughs> Philly, Philly. What, what price will she be? I don't know. Because she's not qualified. She runs on Saturday to qualify. Again? She has to. Jesus, you've kept her busy. She likes... She has to. She has to keep busy. She's, she's, she's a very strange filly. She hates... You have too long a gap between her races and she flies ahead. The more you, the busier she is, the more the happier she is. She's just that type of filly that's going to pop up as well, isn't she? Somewhere like Newcastle yeah. will really suit her. To sign off... Do we think we're going to manage this once a month thing? We, we, I think we recorded about four or five podcasts this year. We've got them in the diary. Are we going to be a bit more optimistic? We signed the contract. contract. It's, it's done. done. It's done. Apart from if I start yeah. whopping fellows again, which I actually I'm going to keep my mouth shut because it, I'm sure it'll go the other way this year. He does and did have double the amount of horses I have, so... We'll be back in April. You heard it here first. So double the amount of prize money or horses. Oh, horses. Oh. You have twice as many horses in training. And prize. No, that is absolutely not true as well. You're lying, but there we go. Well, that's just about everything covered for episode one of series five big thanks to our guests shout out too to fitstairs bookmaker our long-term supporters and thanks as always to our polished producer carl homer from cambridge tv on behalf of george charlie and also myself thanks for listening let's hope we all make our april episode date in time for the craven meeting goodbye